Hey, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace, your mercy, for the gift of your Holy Spirit, Lord, not only to empower us, but to be with us, Lord, forever. Speak to us, Lord, by him this this evening, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So have you ever taken one of those online personality tests? If you did, you don't have to admit it. But if you did, did you really like the results? Did you even trust the results? That's, That's my question. I'm kind of afraid to take one for myself. But tonight I want to take a moment to explore the person and personality of the Holy Spirit. And I guarantee we'll be blessed by the results that we get from our study. And also we can trust the result that we'll get from our study because it's from the inspired, inerrant Word of God. It's what the Lord tells us about Himself. So as we talk about the Holy Spirit tonight, we'll learn three things. Number one, the person of the Holy Spirit. Number two, the personality of the Holy Spirit. And number three, our relationship with the Holy Spirit. So first, the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's easy to think of the Holy Spirit in terms of what He does, and, and you know, only in think of Him that way, and miss out who He is. You see, missing who the Holy Spirit is can cause us to miss out on the blessings of knowing Him and walking with Him in a deeper way. Sometimes we only think about Him as like a power that will come from heaven, and we miss that He's actually a person. Now, the Holy Spirit is not a force or a power from God the Father, but He is a person. He's just like the Father. He's just like the Son. The Holy Spirit is actually the third person of the Trinity. So there's that word Trinity. Now, the word Trinity is not found in the Bible. But it's a word that was coined by the early church, you know, some around 300 AD or so, to describe the teaching of the Bible and what it talks about God. The Bible teaches that there's one God who exists in three eternal, distinct, and co-existing persons. Not three gods, but there's one God or one divine essence or nature that is revealed in Scripture as three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, cults such as Mormons and Jehovah's Witness and many others, they deny this truth. But they don't deny it based upon scriptural evidence. Oftentimes, it's because of the deception of their church leaders and their church themselves. And so, you know, if you ever talk to someone from this group, you know, they, as soon as they hear the word Trinity or that God is one in three persons, automatically they kind of close up to you because they've been taught that this is a heresy and their leaders have given them all these things which they believe are like from God. And so they won't hear it. And oftentimes, too, they'll appeal to human understanding. They'll say, well, I just can't understand that. It's too hard for me to understand. But we have to understand that our God is infinite. He's, he's, his ways are beyond our ways. His ways are beyond finding out. Therefore, the doctrine of the Trinity in, in the fullness of understanding it is will, beyond, will be beyond the human understanding. Now, while God is infinite, He has not left us without a witness of Himself. He's given us His Word, and He's given us the ways to know Him in His Word. And the Bible teaches that God is one in three persons. And we approach all Scripture like this, all doctrines like this. You see, we take a passage and we interpret it in this context, and then we take those passages and we apply them and and link them with other um, passages in their context, and we form teachings. So you might not know it, but you're actually a theologian because you're you're learning about God. You're taking these things. You, everybody has a theology of prayer. Everybody has a theology of different things. You know, and so we're just taking our teachings from the Bible and forming different doctrines. That's all it is. It's just a teaching about a subject. And we do the same thing about God. Now, the evidence that the Holy Spirit is a member of the Trinity comes from the fact that He's called God in the Scripture and also He's called a distinct person. First, He's called God. 
The Holy Spirit is referred to as God by the Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. There when Ananias and Sapphira come in before him and they lied about hold, you know, saying that they sold their land and keeping back some for themselves. And Peter said, hey man, you have not lied to, to men, but you've lied to the Holy Spirit. You've lied to God. So he called the Holy Spirit God. The Holy Spirit is also seen as having the characteristics of God. He's called eternal in Hebrews 9.14. He's said to be everywhere at once in Psalm 139, 7-10. He's said to know all things, even the deep things of the Father in 1 Corinthians 2.10-11. He's said to be all-powerful and able to do things that are impossible in Luke 135. We're told that he would overshadow Mary. He would be the one who would create Jesus in her womb. The Holy Spirit was an active agent in creation, as seen in Genesis 1-2 and Psalm 33-6. And so he was there hovering over the face of the waters, actively involved in creation. So we're told the Father was involved in creation. We know that from Genesis 1-1. And then also we're told in John 1 that Jesus was an active agent in creation, the Word. And then there we see the Holy Spirit also involved in creation. He, because he's God, he's able to create. Now, the Holy Spirit is seen as a distinct person, even though he's called God. Jesus, for example, in John 16, 7, says this. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, notice Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit in a personal pronoun. He says, him. He doesn't say, it. He, you know, it's going to come upon you. It's going it's to come to you. No, he says, him. So he talks about him as a person. Now, the Holy Spirit is seen as a distinct person in the Bible. And we see this in Genesis 1.26. There, when God made man, we're told that God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Well, who is God talking to? Well, he couldn't have been talking to the angels. He couldn't have been talking to mankind. But man is made in the image of God, so therefore he had to be talking to the other members of the Trinity. He referred to us. It was, there was a plural there. Also, when God divided mankind's speech at the Tower of Babel in Genesis eleven seven, God said, let us go down and see what they're doing. So, once again, he speaks in this council, the, the Trinity, one God and three persons. Isaiah forty eight sixteen. this is actually Jesus speaking in the Old Testament before he came to the earth through the Virgin Mary. He says, come near to me and hear this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. From the time it was, I was there. And now the Lord God and His Spirit have sent me. So this is Jesus speaking. He refers to the Lord God, who is the Father, and the Spirit, that who would send Him, the Son. All three persons of the Trinity. You see, Jesus existed with the Father and the Holy Spirit for all eternity before He came to be born through the Virgin Mary. At the baptism of Jesus... In Matthew three sixteen and 17, we're told that when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And so there's all three persons at the baptism of Jesus. Jesus is being baptized. The Holy Spirit is coming upon Jesus like a dove, separate from Jesus. And the Father is in heaven speaking, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. All three persons are called God in Scripture, and yet they're all seen existing at the same time, yet distinct in a co-equal manner. So all these references, and there's many more, 
simply show us that the Holy Spirit is God and he's a person. Now, one of the greatest insights here that we have that the Holy Spirit is, um, you know, God is, is throughout, you know, throughout the work that he does through his power. You know, only God is able to display the power and the miracles and the things that he does. And yet, he does them over and over and over. Second, we see the personality of the Holy Spirit. Since the Holy Spirit is a person, we should expect then to see him express his personality in Scripture. And, and we do. The Holy Spirit is said to have emotions. In Ephesians 4.30, we're told that he can be grieved. Paul says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. We're told that he has intellect. In 1 Corinthians 2.10-11, we're told that he knows all things. And so he is able to know things. He has a will. 1 Corinthians 12.11 says that he gives out gifts as he wills. And so the Holy Spirit is able to distribute to the body of Christ gifts as he wills. As, as he desires and how he sees fit. He's seen to speak in Scripture. You see this often through the book of Acts. We're told that the Holy Spirit said, he spoke, often he spoke audibly to these men as, as they would wait on the Lord. We're told in Acts 13 there that Paul and Barnabas, you know, were sitting there waiting on the Lord, probably in a worship service. And the Lord spoke to one of the prophets and said, separate to me Paul and Barnabas for the work I've called them to do. And so there the Spirit was speaking. And he speaks throughout the scripture. So all these references, once again, show us that he has personality. Now, one of the greatest insights of the Spirit's personality is from Jesus himself. He talks about it. He knows he's been with him from all eternity. And here's what he says in John 14, 16. He said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now, in John 13, Jesus dropped the bombshell on his disciples. You see, they loved the Lord. They were with him. You know, they had left everything to follow him. And they had followed him for some three and a half years. Now, at the end of this time, now the Lord is beginning to tell them and really make it very clear that he was going to leave them and go to the cross and then resurrect and ascend into heaven. And this bummed the disciples out. What were they to do without Jesus? I mean, how could they go on without the Lord? He was their master. He you know, they would follow him everywhere he went. Well, Jesus encouraged them in John 14 by giving them a number of truths to comfort them. And one of those truths is the fact that he would give them the Holy Spirit. He would send the Holy Spirit to them. Now, notice how he, how he described the Holy Spirit. He said that, that the Father would send a nether comforter or a nether helper. The word nether, I'm told, is a nether of the same kind. Another of the same kind. There's two words for another, and this is another of the same kind. The word helper is paraclete, which means one who comes alongside. And so here's Jesus is going to leave, and he tells the disciples, Hey guys, don't be bummed out, don't worry, because the Father is going to send another helper. He's going to be just like me. He's going to be of the same kind. He's going to work in the same exact way. So what is the personality of the Holy Spirit like? Well, he's just like Jesus. Jesus could say, if you see me, you see the Father. The Holy Spirit could say, if you see me, you see Jesus. They have the same nature. Right? They're, they're, they're of the same kind. And so they were able to follow the, the Holy Spirit. He would, he would be the one who would lead them. You see, they were never alone. They were always with the Lord, and, and, and so with the Holy Spirit. Now this brings us to our third point, the believer's relationship with the Holy Spirit. Jesus goes on in John 14, 
16 through 18, it says, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So the believer in Jesus is promised the work of the Holy Spirit, both in us and with us. Tonight, I just want to focus on the spirit with us as we, as we walk with the Lord. Notice this, the Holy Spirit abides with you forever. The moment you come to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is with you. He comes alongside of you as another helper forever. So this clears up the misunderstanding that somehow we need to woo the Holy Spirit to come in to us or to come into our church or come into our life and really help us and speak to us. Now, I'm not saying that God can't work in a special way and, you know, how he moves, you know, but... The Holy Spirit is with us forever. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't go to heaven and say, okay, man, when you really get into worship, when, when you really get into it and start, you know, really, then the Holy Spirit shows up. Oh, okay, he's, a, he's here now. I feel him, you know, because now he showed up. No, he's with you forever. He'll never leave you. So he's always with you. And so the same, you know, res- you know resurrected power, you know, that you have living in you is the same power that you can have wherever you go. And the same spirit who's with you and, and, will, and will minister you is the same spirit who's with you even, even in the tough times. Whether you're in a worship service and, and really you know, feel like you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, or whether you're like John, who would be exiled to the island of Patmos and who would work in the salt mines. The same spirit would be with him in that time is the same spirit who was with him when he was worshiping in the church of Ephesus. And, and the same is true for us. So what a comfort that is. What a blessing that is. That the Spirit is always with us. He'll never leave us. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you orphans, but I'm going to come to you. And, you know, so, and so if, if we need filling, you know, we don't have to worry about God not hearing us from heaven. The Spirit's with us. He'll give us that filling. If we need guidance, if we need direction, the Spirit's always with us. Now it gets even better because in John 15, 26-27, Jesus begins to talk about the specifics of how He'll work as He's with us. He says, when the Helper comes, I will, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. And so the Holy Spirit will come alongside of us, and never leave us, and he'll teach us more and more about Jesus. He'll reveal Jesus to us. He'll, he'll bring to our remembrance things that we need to know as we walk with the Lord, but also as we minister for the Lord. We're called to go out and make disciples, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. We're to go out and be witnesses. And Jesus says, you don't have to worry about that because the Spirit, He's going to be with you. He's going to be the one who testifies. And He's going to equip you in that time to do it. And so we go out with the Spirit. Jesus, in John sixteen thirteen through 15, goes on and says, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you in all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, and for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. The believer is not on their own to discover truth or God's will for their life. We don't have to climb a mountain to find God's will for our life. The spirit of truth is with us to lead us into all truth. Now, I was thinking about this. The disciples didn't decide in a council on where they were to go. You know, when they were with Jesus, they didn't say, hey, Lord, we think we should go over here. And the Lord said, nope, we're going to go over here. 
But Lord, everybody's looking for you in Capernaum. And the Lord says, hey, let's rise up and go. For this reason, I've been sent forth. And they went into the other towns. So now Jesus is leaving. Who would lead them? Who would be with them to guide them? The Holy Spirit who is with them. He would be the one who would lead them. He would be the one who guide them. So we're not on our own as believers to decide where we go and what we do. The Spirit who is now another helper, He is the one who's leading us where we go. So really the Holy Spirit now is leading us just as He led Jesus' disciples. He's the one who's going to take us into the next towns. He's the one who's going to tell us things to go. He's the one who's going to lead us into truth and teach us when we're confused. The Holy Spirit is the one who will speak um, to us and communicate the heart of the Father and also of the Son. The disciples, man, as they sat with Jesus, He would declare to them these truths from the Father. And now the Spirit is with us and He's going to continue that work. He's going to continue to bear these truths from the Father and from the Son. These things that He wants to speak to us personally about our life, but also about the Scriptures. He will glorify Jesus. Notice that. He will glorify Jesus. The Spirit will not draw attention to Himself. So any experience that a person has that somehow is of the Holy Spirit, but it it takes away from Jesus or who Jesus is, it's questionable on whether it's actually from the Holy Spirit or not, or whether it's from a person's own experience. But yet, the Holy Spirit says He will draw us to Jesus. He'll point to Jesus. As, as, you know, as we walk with, walk with Him. So in closing, the Holy Spirit has been promised to us as a believer. Next time you know, we're together, we'll talk about the Spirit in us as, as an engagement ring. But for now, the Spirit is with us and He'll never leave us. He is the resource that we need to live the Christian life. Whether, you know, as I said, whether that has to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, maybe you've never been baptized with the Spirit. That's to be baptized or whether it's to be filled with the Spirit or to be led or guided or to be used in God's will, the Spirit is always with us, ready to work. But don't forget that He's a person. And He's a person of training. And He wants a relationship with us. He's not just a power to tap into like an electrical socket. But He's a real person who we can walk with day by day by day. And as we walk with him, we'll learn more about Jesus because he'll reveal Christ to us. So let's pray that God would develop in us a greater reality of the Holy Spirit who's with us and also teach us how we can have a closer walk with him and be dependent upon him throughout our daily life. Don't forget, again, God's not like leaving you and you know, going to heaven and saying, okay, hey, just pray and then maybe I'll come down to you. No, the Spirit's always with you. You can have that communion with the Spirit as He convicts you. And He says, hey, go talk to that person. I don't hear you. <laughs> kind of thing, you know. Two by two, we go out. Us and the Holy Spirit. 